thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. Hey, in honor of the Super Bowl, that's why I'm dressed as I am. I'm not a zebra all the time, but I am a referee today. And I want to look at some calls that you're going to see today. You're going to see these four calls in this game. And here's what I want you to understand. These calls that we're going to look at today are not just calls that you're going to see in the game, but I think it's calls you see in life, but they don't get a yellow flag every time you see them. We want to look at these four calls and see what God tries to teach us or wants to teach us through that. And then this evening, when you're watching that ball game and you see these calls, I want you to think about it. I want you to think about it. First one I want to look at is delay of game. Now, delay of game is a killer. It is a killer call in a football game. Killer call. I mean, there's not a coach in the world that will tell you delay a game is a killer because it'll turn first and 15, I mean, first and 10 to first and 15 every time. It'll turn third and two to third and seven, which changes everything, all right? Because I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of success on third and two. There's not a lot of success on third and seven. They change the defense on you, bring a nickel back in. I'm sorry, I'm just way out ahead of y'all. But they'll bring it in. They'll drop eight in the box on you. It'll just mess you up, okay? Mess you up. Delay of game. Now, in the game of life, the Bible tells us that we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And we're to run that race with perseverance. The, the race barked out for us. In our life, do we ever get a delay of game? Here's what I mean by that. There are times in your life, my friends, and in my life, when everything says go. God says go, and we don't move. We don't move. We don't move. And you're screaming. People are screaming. God's like, go. Just like you do to that TV today. When you're sitting there and you're watching that, that five, four, three, two, one, and you're like, go. And then they say, delay a game. I think God sits up there. He has orchestrated everything he needs to orchestrate. He has put everything in row, in line that needs to be in line. You have bathed in prayer and you have a peace. You have got in God's word and it's been affirmed and confirmed by the word of God. And I'm telling you, God says go and you don't move. You don't move. Why? Why? I'll tell you why. It's called fear. Fear is the opposite of faith. Fear is the opposite of faith. I want you to go to your Bible, the first, the second Timothy. Second Timothy. Second Timothy one seven. If this is not outlined, marked up, highlighted, you got any Christmas lights left over, put around this, whatever you need to do. You need to know 2 Timothy 1.7. 2 
2 Timothy 1.7, and please don't go to 1 Timothy because what you read in 1 Timothy 1.7 is absolutely has nothing to do with 2 Timothy 1.7, okay? It'll mess you up. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. He did not give you child of his, born again, child of the king, with the spirit of God living in you. The spirit of timidity and fear is not in you. It's not in you. It's not. So when you are scared and when you are fearful, you are what? You're not being who you are. You're in the flesh. The flesh will get scared. But the Spirit of God that lives inside of you, uh uh-uh, no. Let me tell you why they don't run that play. Fear. Quarterback don't think it's the right call. Receivers don't think that's the right route. Running back doesn't think that's the right play. Linemen don't have a fat clue when to go. And everything's a mess. And they call, run the play. And they're paralyzed at the line of scrimmage. And you're at home throwing, you know, bricks at TVs going, go. And they don't move. They don't move because they're afraid and they're not confident to run it. They're not. Joshua 1.3, Moses has died, his aide, Joshua, is about to lead them. And the word of God in Joshua 1.3 says this. God says to Joshua, I will give you every place where you set your foot. Mm. I will give you every place you set your foot. Psalm 139 says of us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and all the days of our life have been ordained. So step, my friend. You got to go. You got to go. You got to go. Some areas of our life that we don't go when God says go. You may be in a place right now or a location And you sense that God is moving you. He's calling you somewhere else. You have prayed about it. You've gotten a word about it. You got a peace about it, and you won't move. You can't move. You're paralyzed. There may be a situation at work or home or at school where you know beyond a shadow of a doubt it's time to speak up, to be silent no more. Whether it's in church, men's group, ladies' group, God gives you a word for somebody, you need to speak that word into their lives, and you don't speak it. You got to go. You got to go. There may be a person at work, home, school, even church, that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Lord has put you in their path many, many times for one reason. And that's for you to share the hope that lives inside of you and tell that person about Jesus. And you won't do it. Delay a game. God says go, and you won't move. You're paralyzed. You're stuck. You're frozen in time. Everything around you is moving, but you're not. That's what it looks like an offense football game. Everything around them is moving. And Lord, help all the people at Buffalo Wild Wings jumping up and down, beating tables and chairs and throwing stuff. They're all moving. 
But that, that, that offensive unit, it's not moving. It's not moving. It's not moving. Maybe it's an area of commitment for you here at this church or somewhere else, guys. God says, I need you to get more involved. Go deeper, more committed. Go serve. Go get your hands dirty. Go do something. And you won't move. You won't move. Fear is the opposite of faith. My friends, I've told you many times, this is faith. It's stepping when there's no step. Okay? But in the midst of your step, the sovereign, almighty God will go, whoop, and build a step. And your foot will land on it. Because he says what? Your foot will land right where I put it every time. I've ordained your steps, man. That Psalm 139 I quoted, he says, he charted your course of life. That means that ship is nowhere in that big sea of life that he doesn't know where it's at. He doesn't know. He knows. Don't get a delay again. Don't get a delay again. It kills momentum. It can take you. I mean, it just kills momentum. How many times have you seen a football game when a team is rolling down a field? Nice drive. 8, 10, 12 play drive. And they get inside the 20, what they call the red zone. And they have a third and two, and they get a delay a game, and it goes third and seven, and they run some stupid play that they throw a five-yard out. You can't even get seven if you're throwing a five-yard out. At least run an eight-yard out. Give yourself a chance. And then bring a field goal kicker on, and then he shanks one to the left, and they're like, golly. 81 yards, 12 plays, and we got nothing. You feel like that in life? Man, you're just going, going. You feel like you got momentum. You feel like God's doing a, a new thing in your life. You get on down the field, and all of a sudden, God asks you to do something. You're like, <laughs> I, no, go. Well, I, I don't know if I should. This doesn't include you right now. If God says it, and you've heard him, and you have a peace in prayer, and the word of God has affirmed and confirmed it, then go. 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 Second is this, false start. Opposite of delay a game. False start. A false start is simple. For those of you who don't know anything about offense or football, they're on the line of scrimmage. Let's just say they're going to go on a long count. Okay, and, and some lughead guard on the left side, Brett's not here. <laughs> Wouldn't talk about him because he's bigger, right? But he moves, moves early. And you know what everybody's thinking? Dude, did you not hear the call? Did you not hear the call? They move early. Why? You ever been there? See, my word for delay of game is go. My word for false start is wait. Wait. Just wait. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Wait on Him. Timing is everything, my friends. 
Wait on the Lord. Too many times in our lives, and I've been there, man, you try to make it happen. We try to make it happen, don't we? We try to make all these dots line up, but God hasn't lined them up. We have. And then we jump it, and guess what we do? God, what is wrong with you? It's not his fault. He didn't jump. You jumped. You got to wait on the Lord. I want to look at two scriptures real fast. Go to Psalm. They're both in Psalms. Psalm 27 first. Psalm 27 first. Go to verse 14. Psalm 27, 14. I think I need some stick on my hand. 27, 14. Psalm 27, 14 says this. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Can I just tell you that it's a whole lot easier to say than to execute? It is. You feel like the left, you feel like the left guard who jumped. Because all his buddies are like, dude, that, did you not hear the call? And the left guard's thinking, dude, that, it's a whole lot easier to say that than to execute that. You don't understand. I got 305 with snot hanging out their nose, breathing across me. He's about to tear my head off, and you want me to wait? Dude, if I don't get out there, I'm toast. We as King's kids got an enemy out there that wants to kill us and destroy us. And we're all thinking, man, I got to get off this ball, man. I've got to. And the Lord is saying, wait, you're good, man. I got you. I'm orchestrating it. I'm about to send an isolated shower to right over that dude, and he's going to be a muddy turf. And so when he takes off, he's going to slip and stutter and fall, and then I want you to demoralize the dude. All right? It won't rain on my spot? Mm-mm. No, because you covered because you're a king's kid. I'm covered. I'm just going to mess him up. I'm just going to mess him up. But, see, you got to wait because I'm orchestrating some events, and, see, they're not ready for you yet. I, I'm going to take you there, but I've, I'm, I don't have that spot, that location, that business, those endeavors, those people there. They're not ready yet, okay? So, so give me some time, hold in your stance, let me go out there and do the work I need to do, and then when i got that place ready for you, I'll, I'll release you right here. But I'm going to tell you something. When I go get it ready out there and I release you, don't give me a delay again. Do not. Do not. Because I've got you ready. You stay ready. In the wait, you stay in the word. In the wait, you trust me. In the wait, you listen to me. But when I'm ready, I'm going to snap the ball, and you better get there. And if I look back and you're in your stance, dude, you're a free agent. I am about to let you go. I'm just kidding. He doesn't get rid of us. But he aggravates. But he gets aggravated sometimes, okay? Uh, look at Psalm 130. This is a good one right here. Psalm 130. Psalm 130, look at verse 5. I love this one. Not because it constantly says wait, but I love the ending. Psalm 130, verse 5. I wait for the Lord. Not just just I wait. My soul waits. Mm. 
and in his word, I put my hope. Mm, Come on, church. I don't just wait on the Lord, but my soul waits on the Lord. It's called peace. The world can't give peace. Don't you go. Walmart got a lot of things, but they had no peace. Go in there and go, excuse me, what aisle is peace on? (laughs) Excuse me, sir, you need to go back to that little rubber room that you were in and take those pills that lady keeps giving you in that cup because those are good for you, all right? You're not, I'm sorry, you're not going (laughs) to, I'm so sorry. You're not going to find peace at Walmart, dude. I'm not. Peace comes from the Lord. You know the Lord? You got peace. You don't know the Lord? You ain't got no peace. world can't give you no peace. It says, my soul waits. In the word is my hope. Mm. Now, you may not be seeing it right now. Last week, we talked about winter. Everything looks dead out there. But we know what? It's more alive right now than it will ever be. But everything it's doing is under the ground. So that you can enjoy the beauty of it come spring. And you can get shade in the summer. And you can marvel at the colors in the fall. Don't call a tree dead in winter. I had to throw a flag on you. All right? Because it's not dead. It's more alive than you've ever seen. Let me ask you today. You waiting on the Lord? Are you guilty of false starts? Don't, don't false start. That kills momentum also, guys. That kills it. Another one is this, holding. Mm. Holding. That's a killer. Sorry to keep picking on them linemen. <laughs> but a receiver can do it too, right? My word for holding is simply this, trust. Let me tell you, every time a lineman gets beat, what happens to him? He holds. You know why he holds? He stops trusting his ability. He stops trusting. He stops trusting. He thinks I'm beat, and I get desperate, and I'm just going to hold. I'm just going to hang on. Trust in the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord, and lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways. Acknowledge the Lord. And he will make your path straight. My friends, every time you see a holding call, I'm going to tell you it's out of desperate measures. It is. They're holding on because they're beat. They're holding on because the flesh took over and they didn't trust their feet and hands. The feet got out of line. So when your feet don't get where it needs to be, you got your upper body's out of proportion. When your body, uh, upper body's out of proportion, your hands are not where they need to be. They're not under your body. So you reach and you grab, and they get you. What are some things that we hold on to? What are some things that we don't trust the Lord in? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Don't trust God. God says, hey, forgive as I've forgiven you. Forgive them. I'll set you free if you forgive them. You don't have to carry that yoke. You don't have to be heavy laden. You don't have to be burdened by all that stuff. Just, just forgive them. No, nah, I'm going to punish them. I'm going to punish them. I'm going to hurt them like they hurt me. Really. Can I just tell you something? They don't even know you're there. They don't even know you're there. 
They don't even know. You kind of like that lineman who thinks that defensive end knows they're there. That defensive end is like, dude, I just beat you off the edge. I mean, smoked you off the edge. And all you could do is hold on to me. And I got your quarterback anyway. I didn't even know you were there. Didn't know you were there. Feet in concrete, dude. You got moon shoes on? What's wrong with you? I mean, they're just talking to you, all right? Forgiveness. Are you holding on to unforgiveness? Are you? Thinking you're winning? Hmm? Don't. You're not. Trust in the Lord and forgive as he forgave you. Because it'll hold you. And it'll keep you a lot longer than you want it to. What else do we hold on to? We hold on to our past. God, you can't use me because I used to do. God, you don't know what I used to. But I used to. You don't even know what I used to. I used to. God, I, I'm telling you, I used to. Mm. God, if you only knew what I used to do. Mm. I'm sorry. Who are you talking to? Psalm 139 says even darkness becomes light around him. Where can I flee from your presence, and where can I go from your spirit? If I go up to the highest mountain, you're there. If I go to the valley, you're there. If I go to Monday, oh, oh, God, you're already there? <laughs> I, I'm good. <laughs> I, I'm good. Hey, your past cannot mark you, and it cannot hold you, my friends. If you're still repeating your past to God, stop. Please because here's what you're doing. You're hurting God's team. You know why? Because you're not in there. You're not in there. You're killing the kingdom. The, the, the kingdom can't advance because you, a very key part of the team, is getting held back by reminding God of your past. He's already hung on a, cal- he's hung on a hill called Calvary for your past. It's done. Okay? Today it's time to put your eyes to the future not to the enemy of your past. You put your eyes on the God of the future, and you go. Anger. A lot of us in here hold on to anger. We hold that anger, man. Either something done to us or anger against somebody else. Anger is kind of like unforgiveness. It's a cancer. It'll eat you up, and no one else knows it. You got to give that anger up. You got to give it up. And don't give me this speech about my granddad had a temper and my dad had a temper and I just can't help it. <laughs> I'm going to throw a flag on that. Because here's the deal. You are a born-again child of the king, redeemed in a new creation. So you died to your old self, granddad, dad, all in genes, and you've been raised to walk in newness of life. I- I'm just going to tell you right now, you're looking at a pastor whose dad had a temper. We used to hang pictures in our house in some of the strangest places. My friends would come over and go, dude, who does y'all's interior decorating? Oh, that's a, that's a very special picture, man. It, it, that's a very special spot. It has to go there. You don't understand. That picture right there is extremely heavy. And so it don't, it's a lot heavier than you think it is. And see, you, there's a big stud right there, like a beam. And you had to get, we had to get that screw in that beam or that picture fall off the wall. That's a heavy picture, man. But what about that one down there about two foot off the wall, off the ground? Uh, I don't know about that one. My dad would decorate our house, and we'd hang pictures in spots. I didn't even know you could hang a picture. Why? Because anger does things to you, and tempers do get out of hand. 
But my friends, I'm going to tell you something. You don't have to repeat. You don't have to repeat. You see, my dad was excused from all those pictures being hung in those spots. Because most of those pictures, not most, all of those pictures were hung in that house before the age of 48 for my dad. Well, at 48, my dad was saved. And I'm going to tell you right now, we don't hang pictures in funny spots anymore. Because he'd been redeemed. He'd been set free. He no longer has a temper. He no longer is an angry man. Now he's almost too nice. I'm like, Dad, you kind of have to be a turd every once in a while. I'm sorry, you're not supposed to say that. Um, he's almost too nice. All right? I mean, he is. But God can make you new. He can do away with that. Other things, i got to keep going. Where else do we hold on to? Circumstances. Well, this is just where it is. I, this is going to be this way. We're just going to be stuck here forever. This is just where it is. This is my circumstance. I'm sorry. God's bigger than your circumstance. He can. He is. Don't hold on to your circumstances. Don't say this is all that it is. You're a king's kid, my friend. Live in that. Now, I want, I want to preface this. I want to wrap this in love, this last point. And I want you to hear your pastor's heart on this. Okay? We hold on to our children. Melissa and I, we're parents. Okay? We have two children. It's a mean world. I realize that. But we have got to trust in the Lord. You can't hold your kids forever. I'm going to say it's real simple. You got to trust yourself that you've done the job, that you've raised your children in the word of the Lord, okay? And they will not depart from that, okay? You got to trust yourself. You got to trust your kids. And ultimately, you got to trust the Father, okay? Trust in the Lord. Don't hold your kids, okay? Trust them. Trust them. Trust them. Okay. Last one's this. A little bit lighter. All right, so my three words delay a game is go. Okay. False start is wait. Holding is trust. And then you've got the dreaded, unsportsmanlike conduct. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Now, I'm going to say something to you. There's a lot of stuff you see in football games that's bad on the unsportsmanlike conduct. I have seen T.O. do some nasty dances in the end zone. I mean, there's some flaunting and some taunting, okay, of unsportsmanlike conduct, and they throw that flag every time, okay? Taunting, prolonged, or premeditated celebration. I mean, the best one was when the cat hid the cell phone in the little pad that goes around the end zone post, and when he scored, he dialed the phone and started talking in the end zone after the touchdown. Now, that automatically going to get unsportsmanlike conduct, okay? Big time, all right? End zone dances, flaunting, taunting. We just saw one a couple weeks ago when Sherman did that to, uh, what's, uh, what's his name? Crabtree, thank you. All right? Pat him on the rear and told him, that's a good try. Oh, man, that's bad. All right, it got it. But here's the deal. We can't have any unsportsmanlike conducts in the kingdom. Can't. Shouldn't be having it. Real quick, I want you to go to some scripture. You got to go fast, so Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2, 
I'm telling you, I'll go fast, and I'm not going fast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, listen to these. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith and not of yourselves it is a gift of God, not by works, watch out, so that no one can boast. No one can boast. Keep flipping. Go to Matthew. Go to Matthew. may not have seen this before. Go to Matthew 23, 12. If you've got teenage boys, it's a good one. Dad, you need to mark this down show it to them. Matthew 23, 12. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Come on. Now, athletes make me nervous when they talk about God. But when a guy like Russell Wilson says, the Lord Jesus Christ, mm, come on, that'll separate the corn from the cob right there. I mean, that's when the Rice Krispies pop. I, I'm telling you, they're, they're, God can mean anything. Most of them, when they say one thing, God, they think they're a God. Okay, so I don't even know if they're thinking themselves. But when they say Jesus Christ or the Lord Jesus Christ, mm, come on. That's totally different. For all of us, my friend, we don't get anywhere in life apart from Christ. So we don't need to get on no mountain and beat our chest and do a little dance because we got there. We need to say, hallelujah, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus. Because I'm going to tell you, he's the air we breathe, and without it, you don't get it. You didn't earn it. All right? Here's the last thing I want you to see. Uh, Philippians 2, Philippians 2, Philippians 2, verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. Mm. Probably ought to read that before every sporting event, okay? Your attitude should be that of Christ Jesus, who being the very nature of God, did not consider himself, consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself, even became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Come on. That is the one who should receive the praise. For us as child of the king, for us as born again child of the king, those of us who were blind but now we see, those of us who had no life but have life, those of us who had no hope but have hope, my friend, and those of us that had no home in heaven but now we got a home in heaven, let me tell you, every time we get a chance to worship, we ought to bust out in some kind of end zone dance to Jesus, not to ourselves. Amen. I'm telling you, we ought to get our worship on, all right, because he is the reason we sing. And I mean, I think it's time for the church to start making much of Jesus every chance it gets, not in a taunting the enemy, not in beating the chest and saying, look at me, I'm saved, you're not, I'm in judging, you're not. No, it's not about you. 
You die and you worship the king and you make much of Jesus and Jesus will be raised up and he'll draw all men and women, boys and girls to him. Let me tell you something. In your life, the same thing is true. Wherever God has placed you, you bloom. And when you bloom, my friends, you lift up your hands and you praise the king and everybody around you will see that and they'll worship the king you worship. Make much of Jesus, not of yourself, because you did not do anything to get what you got. Nothing, nothing. As we enter a time of invitation, I simply want to remind you that the invitation here is simply an invitation from the Lord. It's his invite for us to respond to what he has said to each of us, to each of us. You know, somebody said, I love our church because it's just a simple church. Man, we just have church. We don't, we don't do anything. We just have church, and, and God does great things. We are a simple church. We worship, we read the word, and we pray. That's it. That's about as fancy as it gets around here. I'm going to tell you something. Simple church sees simple things from God. They see supernatural things from God. In just a little bit, we're going to have an opportunity to stand. You're going to see a couple of couples up here. They're up here for one reason. Not because they get paid to be here, okay? They're here because they want to agree with you in prayer on things in your life. Don't sit there any longer and not have somebody agree with you. The Word of God says where two or three are gathered in his name, he is there. And the Word says, agree with one another in prayer. My friends, these folks are here to join you, to partner with you in prayer, okay? They want to agree with God for you. So if you're going through something, if you're facing something and you need prayer and you're tired of being the Lone Ranger and you feel all alone or you just need somebody to partner with you, I invite you to come. This altar is a place of business. You may need to come here and bow down and say, I'm tired of taunting myself. I want to taunt the Lord. I want to make much of the Lord, okay? You may, you may have come this morning and you don't know the Lord. It may be a super Sunday to give your life to Christ and born again. Maybe you're looking for a church home as a family. And I invite you to come. I'm going to tell you, I'm a little biased, but I'm going to tell you, this is the best church by far in the Panhandle. And it's not because I'm the pastor. I promise you, okay? But this is a great church, I'm telling you, a great church. And so I invite you to come this morning, too. As we pray and we stand, I want you to come and do what God's led you to do. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. And God, during this invitation time, This is your time, not our time, your time. And so, God, I pray that we will come this morning as you lead us. And, Father, don't let us stay there if you want us to move. God, I pray that we don't ever get a delay of game called on us because when we hear your voice, we, we go. I pray, Father, we never get a false start that we wait on the Lord. I pray, Father, we're not holding anything. If we're holding something, let it go today and trust in the Lord. And God, don't never get a sportsman, unsportsmanlike conduct call on us because we're not going to dance for anybody but for Jesus. And so, God, I pray that you will move us during this invitation time for your glory and for your honor. In Christ's name, amen. I'm going to ask you to stay in church. If you need to-